everybody to a special episode of the adult baby show uh i am chick and we have a special co-host today uh longtime friend of the podcast downtown ian brown absolutely yes i am back again super excited for this adult baby's offshoot chick in downtown offshoot. and this has been a long time coming shall we say We've been talking like, about this probably since early June. We've and been we talking ha- about the podcast, but just like we've been, this is something we should have done, I feel like, uh, years ago, maybe. So why don't you tell our listeners what we're up to today? So the uh, everybody knows that I'm a big movie and TV guy, and my favorite movie of all time is the 1989 comedy classic, The Burbs, uh, starring Tom Hanks and Carrie Fisher. Uh, we'll get into more of the cast in a, in a sec. But this movie has um, been a special, it has a special place in my heart. I don't know if it's because I live in a cul-de-sac and the movie takes place in one, but I've always loved this movie. And as far as I can remember, me and Ian have always talked about this. And I and we used to just text each other and, and quote the movie like nonstop. So we're going to do a nice and uh, detailed review of the movie itself, the cast and other um little fun facts about the movie. That's right. And what intrigued me about this was Chick is actually the one who put me onto this movie. So I saw this movie much later in life than it was released. As Chick mentioned, it was released in 1989. I was five. I did not see this movie until either late high school or early college. Had to have been when... Had to be high school because I remember us in high school. So late high school. And one of the reasons I want to do this, not only because I love this movie just as Chick does, is... I was very surprised when I started to look a little deeper at how many people did not really know this movie even existed. And with the cast it has and at the time it came out and with the other comedies that were out around this time, I'm pretty stunned at how much this has flown under the radar. And I do think it is comparable and just as funny as some of the other films of this time. Um, So I think that's something we're going to talk about today, too. It is because 1989 was also a big year of movies in general. There's a lot of releases that year that, you know, we will get into, but... I did not know I I told you about. I don't remember that aspect of me putting you onto the movie. I do remember forcing a girlfriend to watch it once and then her breaking up with me two days later. So that like I used to ask everybody, did you see it? Did you see it? And not a lot of people, like you said, I knew saw it. And, and I was one of them. Yeah. Until you had mentioned it to me. And when I saw it, I thought it was hilarious. I uh, really enjoyed it. Still enjoy it to this day. Gave it a rewatch this morning just to get prepped for this pod. Uh, so really happy to talk about it. And. If you haven't seen it yet, continue listening because it's not that big of a deal. Yeah. It's a 1989 it's not, comedy. It's, yeah, the, but hopefully this will compel you to go watch and have some fun because uh, I do think it's enjoyable. And it's a Halloween movie. So I think this is very, uh, you know, 
it's a good timing for us to be doing this <laughs> it pod did work out because that way. it's got some very good supernatural elements. It's almost like a horror comedy, but very much leans toward more towards the comedy yeah. uh, spectrum than it does. But it's got some of those elements in it, which we'll talk about too. It is because I rewatched it last night again. <laughs> I put I watched this movie almost once a week, but it was. Um, it does have a lot of creepy elements in the Halloween, and and it, I was thinking about that as well. That it's very timing that we uh, we po- we pick now to do it. It and worked out. If if you listen to the opening, you know, we had a special opening for you on this show. That is the theme music for the Burbs, and yes. I think you can see it's got a very Halloween essence to it. It does. So um, I'll let you get it started with starting to introduce the uh, characters you want to go with first. Yeah. So let's start with the cast of characters. So. Let's start with just a, a general uh, overview of what this movie's about, right? Okay. So yeah. this movie is called The Burbs with the apostrophe. So in short, it's basically The Suburbs, yes. right? And it is focused around a cul-de-sac. And for anyone who doesn't really, uh, who may be listening and doesn't know what a cul-de-sac is or it doesn't live in that a- urban area. A.K.A. a court. It's a court. It's a dead end almost, if you will. You've got a, there's only one way in, one way out. And it's a <laughs> circular end to a yes. street uh, that's, that's surrounded by houses. So cul-de-sac is very much has that essence of neighbors kind of knowing each other's yeah, business in my, in my court i know all my neighbors like when you're in a court you're all basically your next door neighbor i mean it's not like you know you you, you befriend the house right next to you like the court is its own village almost where everybody knows everything about everybody in the court and there's a lot of people getting bothered by idiot like just little idiosyncrasies of other people and just parking and there's always issues in a court you have almost landscape roommates, right? You're yeah. not living in the same house together, but there's things that your neighbors are doing that are bothering you. Yes. The same way you would have a, a, a roommate that maybe doesn't you know, clean out the shower drain, right? Ex- like there's exactly. going to be something that you're going to keep inside to yourself and never let anyone else know <laughs> and probably nitpick and talk about to maybe your other neighbors. Yeah, and the other neighbors who feel the same other. way. Like there's, right. there's, there's little groups like of people you like more than the others. So there's little, you know, it's almost like high school where like the cool kids, the weirdos, like, you know, and it's just different type of uh, dynamic in a court. And that's where the setting is and that's where it stays. You it stay does. in the cul-de-sac for the entire duration of the movie. And what's really happening is there has been newcomers onto the cul-de-sac uh, they are the Klopek family, and there is something going on with the Klopeks. And I think as we break through here uh, and and talk more as we go down the pod, we'll start to learn more. But that's really the essence is they're strange, they're odd, and the neighbors are trying to find out what's going on. And then there is a mystery to be solved yes. over through the movie, which really is the driving focal point. Yes. they. Um, I love it because when these people move in, they're just not socially um, – uh, they're, they're just very socially to themselves. They don't communicate with anybody else. They haven't. They've been there, I think, at a, a month or so in, into the movie. When the it's about a month, it's correct? And they have not said hello to like nobody's talked to them yet. So the house is creepy. House, it is. It's, it's a decrepit house. It's a standout house. Yes. If this house was on your block, you would be concerned as well, especially if <laughs> you your would. neighbors moved in for a month and you haven't seen any of them. Throughout that duration. So there is cause for these neighbors to be curious. Yes. Uh, So that's the driving force. Let's go ahead and get into the cast of characters here. And this is where I always think back to and go, how was this not more of a known movie? Uh, Because the primary character in this movie is Tom Hanks. Yes. And Chick, let's go. Tom Hanks, my favorite, is Ray Peterson is his name in the movie. Correct. And he is a... um, 
this is right when he was doing all his great comedies. This is it goes more to the point where he was doing the uh, what was it, Bachelor Party or Bat? What, what, what was it called? Uh, I don't know. He had um, Money Pit. He was just doing tons of eighties comedy. Like this very relevant with Tom Hanks. And this was at the end of the 80s, right before he started doing his more serious roles. Yeah, so Tom Hanks is a very known, well, well-known well actor at this point. His wife is played by is Carol Peterson in the film, yep. uh, played by Carrie Fisher, also a very known, well, actress, most notably for the Star Wars saga. Uh, so also a very known actress at this time. Yep, and there's a couple other neighbors, Bruce Dern, who's one of my all-time favorites. Very well known for Westerns back in the day, but uh, he's Mark Rumsfeld. Uh, he's known for his 60s westerns. He was in Django, Hateful Eight, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. You see him all over Tarantino's movies now. And if I could pause you there too, Tom. So let's go, let's backtrack just a second since we've only gone three. Let's kind of describe these characters too. So Tom Hanks okay. as a neighbor is more of Tom Hanks and Carrie, our, our husband and wife, Carrie Fisher. They're Ray Peterson and Carol Peterson. They also have a son, Dave Peterson, who's not really important. In the yeah, movie. he's not at all. He's, he's uh, more of a, a byproduct. Honestly, if you removed him from the movie, it would be irrelevant. It would. Uh, he he's really... probably the only character who brings nothing to the table. It's something I noticed very, uh, very much so on this this watch this morning was you don't need this character in this movie at all. He's really just there. Um, but I guess they're a family, so, so there yeah, needs to be a child in the movie. Um, but Tom Hanks is really the know-it-all responsible family man on the court. Yes. So he's the one who says, let's stay level-headed. <laughs> yes. uh, I'm the guy on the block that just says, let's not overreact. So that's really where, and then Carrie Fisher is his his wife, who's more just kind of telling him to relax yes. as he starts to get turned up. And she's trying to bring him back to reality when, as we'll talk about, his other neighbors start to draw him away. Yeah, from their dynamic is also excellent in the movie because good. there's a lot of banter that isn't, like too much, but it's it's almost feels like it's very natural and and uh, realistic for a married couple in this situation. It's very balanced. It's not overdone. Yeah, I think it works very well to for to understand what's po- pushing and pulling him, Ray Peterson, yes. throughout the movie. Um, to to where this movie goes. Uh, so that's their family, their core. So uh, Chick just mentioned Bruce Dern plays Mark Rumsfeld. He is the army veteran protector of the neighborhood. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so he is the one who is very much wanting to be the head sergeant, if you yes. will, uh, of this agenda and is kind of looking for the action. Yeah. Uh, it almost seems like he misses his days in war and, and he's retired and he's just kind of a little bored looking for a little bit of excitement. That's absolutely right. And then we have uh, Corey Feldman also in this movie. Um, <laughs> so let's run down so far. Tom Hanks, Carrie Fisher. Bruce Stern, Corey Feldman, all oh, in this movie. Yeah. And Corey Feldman, also very prominent at this time in 1989, and he plays Ricky Butler, who is also, I love him in this movie. He plays the party teen on the block. He, and he nails it. And absolutely nails it. And something that I really noticed this morning was if you look closely at his character arc through the entire movie, yeah. he is really a meta audience member. Uh, and yes. he's just watching the action just as we are it's grabbing exactly. the popcorn. He's ordering a pizza at one point to watch what's going on on the block. Yes. So he is very much experiencing almost the same thing in audiences as you go through this. Exactly. Movie, really and, cool. and, and one of the first parts where you realize that, too, is when he has his first, that date with his I guess it's his girlfriend. And the whole date is instead of going out and going watching a movie, he parks up shop in front of their house on their porch and watches all those neighbors spy on their one house. It's just, it's just great. Watches the action on the street. (laughs) Yeah. And he just, there's a lot of commentary and uh, he's, 
this is also a time Corey Feldman just did Lost Boys, Stand By Me, and The Goonies. So, like, another big name in his prime almost. Right. Um, one thing we forgot to is um, Bruce Dern is married. His uh, character, the, his wife, Wendy Schall, is Bonnie Rumsfeld. She was also in Small Soldiers and Inner Space. Okay. And that's his wife, and she's like a dime piece. You know, you kind of wonder how uh, Rumsfeld married so attractive. That's probably the most unanswerable question of this movie, which also makes me love it, uh, is because he has this beautiful wife that you could see every other man on the block is uh, jealous of and drooling over throughout the the remainder of the movie. And and, and get into our next... I want you to introduce our favorite character, probably. Okay, so our favorite is... And then we'll do a quick run-through on the Klopex, um, who are are the focal point bands, if you will, uh, in this movie. Uh, But Rick Ducommon plays... Art Weingartner, and uh, he, in essence, is almost the the drunk neighbor who just really loves to stir the pot. Exactly. Uh, this would probably be Chick's best friend on would, the cul-de-sac. This would be me on the cul-de-sac right. because he's the guy who knows like everything about everybody or thinks he knows everything about everybody, and he's just he's trying to stir the pot, and he's just a, an, a you want to say like a friend of of, of uh, Ray's, but also an annoyance in his life. And most of you may not know his name because quite frankly I didn't really know his name until I started intentionally looking it up but this man has a direct shot to my funny bone I love this man (laughs) you will know him from plenty movies if you saw his face you would go I I absolutely know him Uh, you you know him more through if you see him you're like oh he's been in this and he's been in that that's correct Uh, and I would have to say we'll, we'll, we'll just do these now I think I'll give you some notable ones in Groundhog Day uh, he plays the a drunk guy in the diner who Bill Murray then takes out with his other buddy uh, bowling and then they drive drunk onto the railroad tracks yes. when he starts to kind of finally lose it and realize that his day is repeating over yes. and over. Um, and uh, I think his quotable line when the dishes drop in Groundhog Day <laughs> is, hey, why don't you just put that anywhere, pal? So <laughs> if you watch Groundhog Day, that might ring a bell. Um, and also another unbelievable, and we're just going to call him Art for this sake. Yeah. You know, uh, rest in peace, Rick. Uh, but we're going to call you Art for the rest of this uh, podcast. He was also the father in Scary Movie, which is the oh, spoof of wow. uh, Scream. And he is fucking hilarious. I totally forgot that, that one. movie. Uh, so also I'd recommend if you haven't seen Scary Movie in a while, it holds. Go back and watch it. <laughs> but he is absolutely incredible as the drug dealing deadbeat father through the context of that movie. I forgot about that. So. Role. He's also in Spaceballs. Uh, one of the notable ones for my youth is he is the limousine driver in Blank Check. Uh, yes. That's right. He's just got so many roles. You just see him. He's everywhere. He's got so many childhood roles that I love. Uh, he is the best part of Blank Check. Uh, that is. is my favorite. The only reason I think that movie works is because he he's is in great it. great in it. The, the last two couple I'll mention to you, um, he's in Hunt for Red October. He's just one of the small-time parts. And he's also got my favorite cameo, which I don't even know to call cameo, in Die Hard. He's in this movie for about 25 seconds at most. <laughs> And he is the Con Ed man that shuts the power down on Nakatomi Plaza. (laughs) (laughs) Did my research for the pod here, folks. But that's our guy, Art. I absolutely love him in this movie. And he's my favorite part of this movie. And you know he was a stand-up comic. Come like his c- coming up to, to get into these movies. He was a stand-up comic, so little. I, I just they got that small place, and he does have that comedy gene. And I can honestly say I never saw any of his stand-up. 
He's I have not either. Uh, and I did a little reading on that too, and it was interesting. Uh, he was uh, came from Canada, came from the yeah. home. He Canadian. Run, he was a runaway. Oh, uh, for a very long period of his life, and he was in, uh, I believe, the Midwest and then Los Angeles when he uh, finally kind of got a little bit of a bug to try to get into showbiz. And then I think when he returned to Canada, someone had dared him to do stand up, and he got called back. And then eventually he was on his way and made some connections. Um, and that's how he got into the movie biz. Uh, but I love him in this movie. I think he's my favorite part. I think he has the most I, quotable lines. Yes. And he's he's probably in the number one reason I go back and watch. Um, as much as I do love, and, and it's funny because I love Rumsfeld and I, and I do love Hanks. And I mean, Hanks is my, my favorite. But Art is the one who stands out because he does the dumbest things throughout the whole movie. And it just everything ends up in a disaster. That he, everything he touches turns to shit. There, there is a perfect balance between those three in this movie, and that's there why really it works is. so well. Uh, Bruce Dern, Rick Dukamen, and Tom Hanks are, are excellent together as the trio trying to figure out what happens. Uh, so l- let's just talk about that for a second, too. Yes. So what really happens is the Klopeks move in, who are uh, Henry, played by Henry Gibson, plays Dr. Werner Klopek, uh, Courtney Gaines, uh, Ruben Hopek, and... Klopek and Theodore Gottlieb, which most people will also know by face, plays Hans Klopek, uh, the youngest of the three. Uh, so it's these three gentlemen in this creepy old house. Courtney Gaines, I'm sorry to cut you off, Go was ahead. in Memphis Bell, Children of the Corn, Back to the Future. I didn't realize how many roles that that guy, because he plays such like he doesn't even speak English barely in the in the movie, and he's in a lot of movies. All three of the Klopex, I believe, will be known by face. So if you're haven't seen this movie for the first time and you go I think in, that's probably a there's safe a lot bet, of yeah. familiar faces in this movie, and that again is why it is so surprising that most people don't even movie know this movie exists, like it or not. Even if you watch this and go, <laughs> I did not enjoy it. Yes, you're still going to have to look at this and go, I know most of the people in here. How is this? I'm just hearing about this as I listen to this Adult Babies Offshoot podcast. <laughs> oh, I love how you call it the Offshoot podcast. It's so uh, it's so great. Um, the the uh, so yeah, go go start going. I feel like I cut you off. No, that's okay. Last thing I want to bring up is comedies of 1989 too. Let's talk about what other what, yeah. what else was released. You also mentioned there was a writer strike. Yes. So one of the fun facts that I I had for this show that the movie was filmed during a writing strike. And um, so the rewrites were unable to happen. They couldn't like a lot of movies, they get made and then there's a lot of editing that goes on and they couldn't have done. They were were unable to do it because there was no writers. So it led to the movie being filmed in sequence like they filmed the movie. What that means is in order of how it went. They they didn't shoot the ending first and then the beginning. They did it in sequence. And a lot of the dialogue was improvised. And one of my favorite scenes at the end of the movie was completely improvised. And it was, I don't, you know, I I guess we can talk about it. Tom Hanks has this outburst and throws a um, a, a bed into uh, the ambulance, like the uh, stretcher bed. And and just the whole scene is improvised and it's fantastic. And we'll circle back to it, too. We'll go a little deeper when we're towards the end of the pod when when we get to the finale. But it's just a fun fact that a lot of this movie had to be improvised or at least, you know, little fun like things throughout the movie were improvised because they couldn't do any edits to the original script. Which is an interesting note and makes it even more impressive to me. Uh, It makes it even funnier that this was uh, had to be a a lot of improvisation to get this movie to work. Uh, So comedies of 1989. uh, And this is where I wanted to pinpoint and say, listen, list some of these other comedies. If you've seen this movie, I think most of you are going to know these other comedies. And a lot of these, I'm going to have to say the Burbs are just better. And that's what shocks me so much. 
Uh, some of these, you, of course, everyone will say no, but I'm just going to list them right now and then we'll kind of talk about it. So comedies that came out in 1989. And this is also potentially why maybe this movie did fly a little under the radar is because there's a lot. These are just comedies, remember? Yeah. Ghostbusters 2, Back to the Future Part 2, Uncle Buck, Major League, Look Who's Talking, Turner and Hooch, also with Tom Hanks, Little Monsters, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, Parenthood, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, and Christmas Vacation. All drop in 1989. That, I mean, and two of those other movies are two of my favorites of all time as well. So, it, like you said, it's, it, it gets lost in the mix, I feel like. And, and Tom Hanks has done so many great movies that it's kind of like, I feel like it's not one that gets thrown in because there's so many other better ones, I guess, in theory. <laughs> not to me, but here's my hot take, too. And I think this is, might be when people turn off this podcast, and I don't care because I don't want you listening if you, if you disagree with this. This movie is better than Christmas Vacation. And everyone goes... Christmas Vacation is a classic. I completely disagree. And this movie is hand down better. Uh, so that's what I got to say. Take it to the business. <laughs> I think this is better, too. You don't think Christmas Vacation is a classic, though? I, look, I, this is also my opinion. Okay. I know I'm probably on the outlier here. I just, yeah, I want to hear I don't it. think Chevy Chase is very funny. Okay. And that's and that I can see. And the only reason I like that movie is because of Randy Quaid. Because uh, he also <laughs> has a direct shot to my funny bone. I yeah. think that guy is outrageous and hilarious. Uh, so and that's just me, though. I know I'm, I'm the outlier. I'm not okay. the norm there. And, and I um, I think this is better than that. I think this was, I mean, this is my favorite comedy of that year out of all those, you know. But like Major League and, and National Lampoon, uh, The Christmas Vacation are two of my favorite comedies of all time. And I still think this surpasses them. I couldn't agree more. Uh, so that that's kind of the landscape we're working with here. Um, so any other context maybe before we, we start to dive into the movie specifically? Yes. One, the, 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 the movie was written by Dana Olson, the original script, and it was called Life in the Burbs. Um, it was inspired by a 1930s serial killer um, from his neighborhood known as Hatchet Killer. So that's where the the, uh, the the writer grew up in the middle class suburbs, and he you know he wanted to release something kind of that plays onto that. And I kind of think that's where I, f I also find the nostalgia of this film is. I live in a court, and one of the houses is not kept as like every other house on the court, and they've been the outcast. Not quite like this, but like I have that group in 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 my life, and it, it's just crazy. The other thing I wanted to touch on because I do have these weird little facts about it. Is the it was this film was filmed on the Universal Studios backlot, and the Peterson's house is the house from Leave It to Beaver. Corey Feldman's house is the house from The Monsters, and they also filmed Desperate Housewives in the same cul-de-sac. That's some good trivia right there. I like that. I like those fun facts. Very well done. Super interesting too. One uh, more thing: the poodle in the movie Queenie is the poodle from Silence of the Lambs. Puts its lotion. On the skin, unless it gets the hose again. And that's a Bichon freeze. I had a Bichon freeze. So I had a dog that looked just like the dog on the you movie. You most certainly did. Uh, so I'm glad you brought up Joe Dante, too, uh, and the writer. Director Joe Dante. Director Joe Dante, Also, yes. Joe Dante, I mean, you're not going to talk about him as your, your top five directors no, of all time. not at all. But also during this era of the 80s, let's list off um, his, his notable movies from the 80s that will also be not on your top five all-time list, but you're going to know them. 1983, he does Twilight Zone, the movie. Love it. 1984, he does Gremlins. Favorite. 1987, he does Inner Space. 
that's more you. Then 1989, he does The Burbs. In 1990, he does Gremlins 2. So he is also a notable director during this time with this type of movie. And I think you can also see that if you're a Gremlins fan, this movie's kind of got that similar vibe. It does. Uh, just with the spookiness. Almost around. the soundtrack, too, sounds... Right. It's, it's like, you know how like certain directors, you could, oh, that's this part, like, you almost get that vibe. Got a signature on it, and we don't have that unless you do. But uh, who knows? Maybe if we look up and we do uh, some posts on the Adult Babies pod, might be the person who did the same score from the Gremlins, because I agree that is super similar. I would actually have to look at that, because yeah. I didn't check that. But uh, yeah, so go. So that's the backdrop of uh, kind of the things we're curious about, the time when this movie came out, the cast of characters in here. Let's go ahead and talk about this movie. I want to start right at the top uh, with the introduction of the movie. As someone who, who lived in a residential neighborhood, chicks on a culter sack, I love how they introduce us to the cast of characters. Yes. It is driven by a newspaper boy coming into the shop and delivering newspapers and circling the culter sack. So the first person you see is Tom Hanks, who is Ray Peterson, and the uh, newspaper boy hits him right in the <laughs> chest with the newspaper, and uh, Ray Peterson uh, immediately throws his, his cup of coffee at him and tries to hit the newspaper boy. With his cup of coffee, and it kind of gives you a sense of who he is as an individual <laughs> yeah. right out the gate. So that is the first person you meet. The second would be uh, Walter, who we didn't get into, right? Uh, we didn't. Walter is the old man on the block. Uh, he's the one who has the little white puppy dog. Um, he gets the coffee thrown at him as well. I mean, the paper thrown at him as well. And he just mumbles under his breath like, oh, you little bastard. And like, then the paper boy goes, but. Walter puts his dog down, and his dog runs over to Rumsfeld's house. And so, and well, the re there's a reason we didn't really touch on Walter too much. Uh, he's not really a major player yeah. in the movie, but he is a key driver of the movie. Yes. Uh, so you don't see him too much, but we will talk about why he is so important. Uh, so then the dog runs from his and goes to shit <laughs> on one of the other's neighbor's lawns, and that lawn is uh, owned by none other than Bruce Dern, who plays Mark Rumsfeld, who we mentioned before is the army vet protector of the neighborhood. Uh, and I think we could all be very clear he is not too happy that nope. this is occurring. And then it goes right to uh, Corey Feldman's character. Uh, uh, what's his name in the... Fuck, I'm already drawing a blank. Ricky Butler. Ricky Butler. And he slams a thing of paint onto his speakers. The paint goes all over the place. Puts on his 80s rock music, and he's getting ready to paint his porch. You don't meet his parents, but you assume there is some parents in his house telling him what to do. And I want to I wanna backtrack there because I wrote this down because I thought it was hilarious. We have it looped, so we see the dog poop on the lawn after the intro of both uh, Ricky Butler, because Ricky Butler's music is actually the thing that uh, introduces Mark Rumsfeld, the, the army vet. Oh, yeah. And I love the song that's playing because he puts the stereo down and he starts blasting it. And the song is called War Machine. <laughs> and then the grandiose introduction of uh, Mark Rumsfeld comes out in his old army gear, <laughs> his, his uh, green army vest. But no shirt. Wore, no shirt on under it. So no shirt on. Boxers, I think top, he was wearing. Boxers on and then sees the dog shitting on the lawn. So I thought that it's just a great intro with the War Machine. Yes. Uh, heavy 80s rock song. Yes. And, and, and he's putting his flag up, his American flag that he has to hoist up. And as he's backing up to salute his fan, his flag is when he uh, steps on the shit. That's right. So this gives us our primary cast of characters uh, so far. And... Uh, we we have yet to see any of the uh, Klopeks as of yet, except for 
a shadow in the window right at the opening credits. Yes. Uh, so right before we get introduced to these characters, it's kind of the opening credit scene. Uh, there's a weird noise coming from the house, and we see Ray Tom. Peterson yeah. walk out in his bathrobe in the middle of the night, and he's like, what's going on there? And there's just a shady figure in the window. Uh, so back to where we are. We've circled the cul-de-sac. We've been introduced to all these cast yep. of characters, and then we go into the Peterson home uh, where they're eating breakfast. There's a small conversation, and then as that's happening, uh, we are getting slowly introduced to Art, uh, who is our favorite character. person in this movie, who is in the backyard coming out of bushes with a rifle. <laughs> so Art is coming out of the bushes with a rifle, and the bushes are kind of stuck to him as he's still walking out. He still has the leaves all over him, and he's trying to shoot uh, these crows that he's saying are infesting the neighborhood, and he said... So he's going to shoot it, and the crow happens to fly right on the light right next to back out of the Peterson's back door. So when Ray comes out because they see him with a gun in their backyard, he almost shoots Ray in the face and shoots the light bulb right next to him and <laughs> invites himself inside for breakfast. So he walks with one of the fantastic lines of not even caring that he almost shot his friend. Hey, what are you guys eating in there? <laughs> and he goes in and proceeds to sit down at the breakfast table. Uh, I love doing art as well. And then he starts to go on his uh, explanation of why he's doing this. Yes. And it's because his wife is telling him the crows are eating all the food in the big uh, bird feeder. And it's also one of my favorite quotes. The crows are too big for the bird feeder, she says. The crows are too big for the bird feeder, she says. As she's <laughs> stuffing his face with sausage and pancakes. Um, so that's how we're introduced to the people. Don't worry, we're not going to break down every single scene. And I take could, too. The that's movie. the thing. is like I want to talk about every scene like I that. I could, but I love the way they do this. Because yes. uh, I think you immediately get a sense of what a cul-de-sac is like. And you get a sense of who these people are in a very short way. So the introduction is very clever. Uh, as you, it's driven initially by the newspaper boy. You get a quick snapshot of all these individuals that are going to be key players in the movie. Uh, and on top of that, you kind of get a sense of who they are. Uh, and you can gain from the, the style, how they're introed, what they're doing. Uh, so you all get a sense of, of everyone who's going to be around you throughout the rest of the movie. And I think it's a super clever opening for, for people who have lived in an area like that. It really hits home for me. It, and, and I think that's what it is, too, is that right off the bat, you feel like a sense of like, this was very relatable. I mean, for me, it was it, it's extremely relatable. And for most of the people I know who love, live in the suburbs, it's just like it's a great premise where you know what's going on in this neighborhood. That's, you know, what's going on with that weird house in the beginning. And uh, so I, I like the way you're doing the summer. You're much more, more of a wordsman than me. So I'll let you take it and go on. And I like to just uh, how we get introduced to what's really going on with the neighbors. Yeah, so I think that's a good next step, right? And before we get there, too, I, I wanted to toss this out there because uh, I think it'll be relevant to, to where we're going to get introduced to the neighbors and what's actually going on in the movie, right? <laughs> like, we're, we're really at the front here. This movie really blends uh, three uh, elements that I think was liked, and obviously horror and comedy we touched on. I also think this has a little bit of whodunit uh, to yeah. it as well, but it's much more simplified, right? There is a mystery that we're going to talk about, but it's very much like, did these people do it or not? So yes. it's not necessarily like everyone's a suspect, uh, but this is driven by mystery. Yeah. And potentially murder is what is what may be afoot here, and that's what's really driving it. Uh, so to get into it, after we're introduced, what we're hearing in these conversations is the creepy neighbors. Yes. Right? That's what we're all getting is the house is super creepy. They have no upkeep. 
Chick mentioned they've been there for a month. Nobody's really seen them. So, like, as we're getting introduced, we're hearing this backlog dialogue banter yeah. of everyone kind of still going, what's going on with these folks? And no one knows where the old neighbors went. Like, it wasn't like they were prepared for the, the old neighbors to leave and these neighbors to come in. And that brings you to the mystery of why are these people here? Where did the old people go? The old couple, the old couple that was there. And like Art says in the beginning of it, the other people, the house wasn't great, but they took care of their lawn and you knew they were there. They somewhat socialized. They were normal people. You may not have agreed with their style of life, but they were normal. These new people aren't upkeeping the lawn. They're not saying hello to anybody. Nobody sees them. I mean, there's all these dumb rumors that are going on that you'll hear in some of the conversation. But the whole thing is what's going on. And then, uh, yeah, we get we really get going in the in, in the beginning when they finally see one neighbor. And I think here is where we can yeah. So we'll we'll start there, and I think this will trigger because we can kind of talk about our favorite scenes. We'll jump around a little bit here, but let's kind of get get you in on it if you haven't seen this movie. So basically, what happens is uh, they're they're starting to get out, gather up the courage to say let's find try to find out a little bit about these yeah. people. Let's go introduce ourselves. But after this happens and they start investigating. Uh, one of their neighbors goes missing, and that's Walt, who who we had mentioned earlier uh, that we said we didn't talk about too much because he's gone for most of the movie. But this is what the driving force is. He goes missing. They're unsure. They have suspects now that they slowly start to believe that he has been murdered by the Colpex. Yes. And the whole driving focal point of the movie is the three men in this movie, Ray Peterson, uh, Mark Rumsfeld and Art Weingartner are banning together to solve this mystery. Yes. Did the Klopex murder Walt? Where is Walt? And that is where the, the insanity starts to yes. exist. And, and the first thing they decide to do is to scope out the house at night because there's always weird noises coming at night. So while this happens, I mean, do we want to actually go through it? or Let's, let's get into this because we'll, we'll talk about some favorite scenes, and this actually is my favorite yeah, scene. Yeah, so... My, my favorite scene. You you go ahead. But okay. this is my favorite scene of the movie, and as Chick just mentioned, the three of them decide to peek around at night. Yes, they peek around at night, and I love it right away because Art and um, Rumsfeld are all gung-ho about this, and the whole movie, Tom Hanks is on the fence. He's interested. He wants to know... But his maturity is trying to keep him back. And his wife is trying to keep him back. So while him and his wife are watching, I believe, Jeopardy, um, Art is knocking on his back window and trying to get him to come out and play. That's so, right. And that's that's the push and pull we mentioned yes. earlier, right? Ray's very much trying to live a normal life on vacation. He's on vacation for the oh, week. Yes. So he wants to be in his, his, his robe, relaxing in his lawn chair, drinking beers. And this is going on. And uh, Art is very much the one continuing to to draw him in. Yeah. So he's reluctant. But as the movie goes on, he starts to get curious. Exactly. And and I think that's also the great thing is his change throughout the movie. Because in the first, he's really like, this is retarded. He's like, he's with the wife. And then that changes. But So the first thing they do, he gets him out of the house. And they just peek around. And at night, they, they're across the street. And Rumsfeld comes out with night vision goggles. Because he's prepared for everything. He's got that army uh, background to him. That's right. So the, the Klopex live directly next Acro- to uh, the Peterson home, which is Tom Hanks' family. And Rumsfeld is directly across the street. Yes. So now they're outside Rumsfeld's house. And they're just peeking and taking a look. And, and- I love the way he, just to pause here, when, when he first comes out. And they're like, what is that? And he's like, infrared scope. And he's <laughs> got this massive, massive... It looks like it would be on a sniper rifle that's shooting someone <laughs> from 600 yards away. That's how big this thing is. 
and he's got the infrared night vision out uh, to peek around at their neighbor's house. Yeah. So already, it's absolutely outrageous. They're already so over the top yeah. and have gone too far. And Ray notices this, this and tells him, he goes, well, what are we going to do next? Tap their phones? And then he says, that could be arranged. That's right. <laughs> That's right, because uh, Rumsfeld is that war vet who wants to get in. He's missing. You could see he's bleeding for the action. He is. So as they're watching, there's a a huge bang and, and light and smell that comes from the house that you could see from the bottom. And you could tell it's a furnace-like thing that's going on, and it's just extremely powerful, and they're saying it smells like a dead cat. And then moments later, they hear a noise coming out of the garage, so they hide behind their garbage pails. And behind a garbage pail, so the, the Clopex garage door opens, <laughs> an extremely shady car gets out with its lights off, drives... A mile, an hour, you know, creeps up to the curb. Uh, one, and this is the first time, I believe, or second, but very short uh, second time. Yes. We see the youngest Klopek get out. He puts uh, garbage from the trunk into the garbage can and then proceeds to bash it with a garden hoe <laughs> more violently than you could possibly imagine. It is actually a part in the movie when you first see it that you go, oh, shit. Like, like, this what is, is going weird on? And, and creepy and a little dark. And that's their same reaction, too, is, okay, what the fuck is that? <laughs> exactly. And then he gets back in the car, and he just drives back to the end of the driveway yeah. and goes goes inside. You're talking about it. a 10-foot drive forward and in reverse. <laughs> and it's just, it's just like the whole thing about it is, is suspect. It's awkward. It's, it's unusual. And it's creepy. So this is where the three of them finally are like, what the fuck is that? Uh, Tom Hanks' reaction here is hilarious. I, I've never seen that. I've never seen someone drive to the end of their driveway, take out garbage, and beat it to death with a, with a <laughs> garden tool. I've, I've, I've never seen that. Uh, it's really, really good. And then this this really just kicks off the whole movie. Uh, so this is my favorite scene. So right into this, uh, it goes into, uh, it starts raining at night, so they decide they'll look at the garbage in the morning because it's pouring out. It's going to look too weird. Like, they don't look fucking weird already. Yeah. Uh, so then, then, it, then it immediately clips to uh, Ray is in bed up in his second floor looking out into the backyard of the Klopex and it is thundering and lightning <laughs> and all three of the Klopex are outside digging like lunatics yeah, in their backyard. Holes, and they're not just digging, they're digging like lunatics and like they have their raincoats on and just going berserk in the backyard. And this is also where the score comes in and it's just incredible because it's like that really creepy fast-paced horror music <laughs> as he's looking outside. So it is very much getting you into the tone of, all right, something is something is wrong with these folks. Something's yeah. going on. And now, yeah, and like you said, we're starting to see that. Okay, there is something going on. So you know, and then uh, I do. I wanted to talk about the score. How great it is, though. It really does keep. It stays level with your emotions on it, and it really drives like what's. It really reiterates what's going on. I know that's what a score is supposed to do, but it, it just, it, it's so, it's just a great score. And I, I think it's so fitting. There's nothing that sounds out of place. It just, it flows so well. I couldn't agree more. Um, so really good there. Uh, and that goes into the morning. Obviously they wake up uh, and the garbage men are there. And there's a really great scene where um, they all start throwing garbage all over uh, the street and the garbage men are furious. Uh, so that, that's one of my favorite scenes that comes through. Uh, and I really think is is the driving point. And that's when we uncover that um, Ed, Walt is missing. So that leads into Walt's not there and then breaking into Walt's house uh, to find what we think is signs of a struggle. Signs of a struggle. And this is and, – and throughout all of this, Art, and part of the reason why he's our favorite character is because of the lines he has nonstop throughout this whole little um, 
all these events going on that they're just like spying on and all everywhere they go he's just got these classic one-liners and when they break into the house uh he starts to steal like things in the house and ray tells him like can you not steal from our neighbors can you put that down he's casually talking that the guy like the guy's already dead he is very much bought in from the moment that the clopex moved in that they are killers uh, so he's really trying to drive that point <laughs> he home. Is. And as he's walking through his neighbor's house who's missing, he is stealing things yeah. from his neighbor and yeah. also reinforcing that he's already dead. Yeah, he goes, this is all going to be, you know, sold at a, you know, like a garage sale anyway. Like, just his whole play-by-play of what's going on. He's like the, the typical conspiracy theorist who buys in right away and that everything that happens is more towards his point. You mean a dead guy's house? You mean a dead guy's house? So that's my favorite scene here. I want to take a pause from from breakdown um, and and check. I'll defer to you. Is there any other scene for you that really sticks out other than the one we just described? Any other favorite focal point for you? Jump around anywhere. Jump around anywhere. That is my. That's got to be my 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 favorite scene. But my my other great one is. I mean, can we? I don't, my favorite tends to go towards the end. Do we want to go right to the end? Yeah. Cause we don't want to go. I, I think it's time to move past yeah. the whole movie. Let's, let's kind of hit a couple. So there's a we'll scene at the end up. of the movie where the, how they blow up the neighbor's house and Tom Hanks is inside the house when this happens and everybody's looking out thinking like, is he dead? And then they kind of see something moving and now take into consideration. You're looking at a fire raging in a house. Like, doesn't look like anybody in there has survived. And this is the Clopex home. This is the Clopex home. It's now burning to the ground. Burning, burning to the ground. And Tom Hanks is slowly walking, and they kind of see movement in there. And they do such a good job of showing him just uh, annihilated. He is, uh, his eye is blown out one way. You can barely, it's swollen shut. His hair is burned. His clothes are ripped. He's got, you know, the, the black and gray smoke all over his face and he could barely walk. And he's slowly coming out of the house and they have like a short porch where there's three steps and he just slides down the steps on his heels as opposed to walking down. And Art comes running up because it, it, to me, it's so um, evident of how it, it just shows it, it nails what Art is oblivious because he comes in and, and, and although Ray looks like he should be dead and he should see how he's doing, the first thing he says is, you found it, right? You found them, right? Just yeah. no no care at all for how his well-being is. Just and Ray looks like he's one of those guys in a, a Vietnam movie who's gotten his arm blown off and yeah. still thinks it's there. Yeah. And he's just completely like, well, what's going on? Yeah. And this guy is just saying, did you find bones in the, in, in, in the basement? Did we yeah. figure it out? And I think that's what we could leave to the audience is, did the Clopex actually do this? Is that the one thing we have not revealed to you is, is um, Walt dead and are the Clopex the culprit? And I think that's what's so clever about this movie is in the final 20 minutes. You still don't know. They give you a back and forth uh, that I think is really, really fun. Uh, so there was a very amount of uh, maybe they did, maybe they didn't. Um, and I think up until the very end, you're really not too sure about what's going on. Uh, and it makes me wonder if they had multiple endings to this movie. Which also brings me to they did have another ending to this movie. And I guess I could say by they changed the end, the ending, the original ending after they hired Tom Hanks and casted him. And this I think you could reveal without giving. Yeah, this I could reveal. Right. In the original ending, Tom Hanks dies. I won't go into too much. I mean, are we going to spoil the ending in this? You think I say let's keep it up. Yeah, we'll keep it up in there just in case nobody's seen it. But he was supposed to die in the original and they changed the ending. And there's also an alternate ending. Two endings of the same type of ending. Like, after they rewrote the ending, 
there are two and alternate endings to that ending that are both excellent. And the other one's on YouTube, and I found that one. And it's just more conversations from the Clopex. That's just, it's fantastic. But another scene that I really like is when they invite themselves over to the Clopex. The meeting of the Clopex. The, like when you, the, that's the first time where you get introduced to the whole family of the Clopex. And it's the young son that you've been seeing. The old uh, grandpa, I guess you'd call of the group, of the, of the three, the trio, who you see only through shadows and the windows. windows. He's out, he peeks out a window yeah, once you on see the second him. floor. And Very then simple. the one that you don't know about is Dr. Klopek. Dr. Werner Klopek, who is officially revealed here. And this is about an hour into the movie. Yeah, this is about uh, so, an hour in when you see him come. And so this is a point where uh, we'll, we'll just give you a little context. Uh, the, the wives of the neighborhood are fed up with the antics, and they say, we're all going over there just to open the door and greet them to the neighborhood, and which is no- what all yeah. normal fucking people would do. <laughs> yes. Uh, so this is a month later. They The... Uh, the boys of the neighborhood, if you will, think they're murderers, and they're like, "Let's let's stay grounded. Let's go over and say hello." And they don't invite Art. That's right. <laughs> they, they, they keep. Do not invite they Art. specifically because Art says that's great. We'll go in there and do this, and we'll meet them, and we'll you know we'll, we'll. Art's whole thing is let's get in the house and see what's going on. The wives want to get in the house and prove to them that they're normal. Which in the whole interaction, there is something unusual with them, but you don't really know if they're killers. They, they do a great job of leaving that open ended. The whole point of this movie too is they're also uh, very clear they're they're foreign here, uh, yes. so so they're not from the United States, um, and I th- I think that's also an, an underlying theme here is uh, we we make very good assumptions yes. about folks that we don't understand. Uh, yes, I think that is a very good point of this movie is just because somebody is different doesn't mean that they're evil and doesn't mean that they're murdering and everybody. That doesn't mean that they're murderers, but maybe they are. But uh, maybe that, they are. You don't know. That is that is a very driving factor of this movie as well, and an underlying theme, I think, uh, which I think is also pretty cool for this this movie. But yeah, the reason why I love that is because although the interactions within the the the, the you know them meeting these weirdos and and everything that goes on, art takes this opportunity because he's not invited to go hang out with the kids and he's with uh the peterson's son and ricky p and ricky uh butler trying to i don't even know what his ultimate goal was but he's still trying to spy on them while they're all in there and shit hits the fan when he does that as well so he tries to get into the backyard he breaks the fence the dog uh, gets released the out dog gets loose which is like a just... it's like a killer rottweiler that they have locked in a closet classic 1989 antics yeah uh, and then obviously they're foiled uh and and they they leave slightly embarrassed uh yes. because <laughs> now the clopex clearly see or, or believe that they were in the house just so they can distract them exactly so Mark could get in the backyard which actually wasn't their intent. It wasn't. Uh, they were exactly. actually trying to figure out. But the, uh, the interaction in there, too, I think is also probably my second favorite scene. It's, it's just, it's priceless. It's so fucking weird. Uh, like, the it's awkward, awkward tension yeah. is so good throughout this whole scene. And it's just small things like the uh, the hors d'oeuvres they're, they're feeding them are pretzels and, uh, and, and, sardines, and sardines right out of the can. And it's just this really quiet scene. And where, the, you hear the smushing of the... Hans Klopek is offering it to each of them, and you just hear the squishing of, of, the, the, of the sardine, sardine coming out of the can. And, of course, they nominate Ray to be the one that has to accept it because everybody denies it except Ray right. gets a look from his from Carol, his wife, who's like, you're going to eat that, and you're going right. to like it. <laughs> so there's just some really good slow tension throughout the whole thing, uh, and it's just a really well-done scene. Also one of my favorite, that initial introduction to, to them also finally was good. And just to, to wrap that up, too, I also do love that it takes place so long. 
because uh, through the whole point, you're like, why the fuck aren't they just saying hello to these people? Yeah. And like the fact that it takes so long is just it's exactly who these pe- type of people are in this neighborhood. And that's what happens in a cul-de-sac. <laughs> if you are not part of the originals and you're the new one coming in, sometimes people are reserved and hesitant. It is. It's very true. Especially if you're different. Until you the- seem like you're that everyday neighbor. People are gonna can be hesitant to it's say. It's like you well, gotta prove you're right. You, do it really well. You gotta. It's like you gotta. You know, prove you're welcomed. You know what I mean? Like it's almost like the, uh, the trial. You're on probation until you prove you're down. <laughs> so I wanna I wanna pause here from from the movie and bring some up that's local to Long Island. Uh, okay. That that I find very relevant to this movie. Uh, so so if any of you have have lived in a neighborhood, and said. Oh, there was the creepy house. Um, we've actually had one in Long Island. Chick, I don't know if you remember this. I believe it was somewhere in Massapequa. I know exactly what house you're talking about. So there is a house out on Long Island. I forget what neighborhood. I think it's near it's in, town. Okay, so it's in Plain Edge. Plain it's Edge. in the school district of Plain Edge. Right. It's considered, I guess, Massapequa. It's considered Massapequa off of, it's in uh, Massapequa, North Massapequa. Let me be specific. It's in North Massapequa off Broadway. So if anyone has, if you're a Long Island local, you may know this. If not, this is a house that people from towns would drive they still do to this over day. to and park outside and stare at. Uh, it is very Klopek-esque, uh, but much nicer. But it is a big house uh, right on this looping corner. Yeah, it's on the it's corner. It's got a black spiked fence that's straight out of Pet Cemetery. Yeah. Looped all the way around it. Uh, from what I remember, it's a dark red or a purplish color. Yeah, it's like a reddish, almost like a pinkish red color to it. Um, you can't see in any of the windows. We used to Never. ride our bikes past it all because a couple of my friends lived in the neighborhood, so it was only a few blocks away. And there was just lore up, the, local lore up the wazoo, and yeah. this, and this, there. Oh, people tried to go in there, and they never came out, and yeah. over and over and over again. And that always makes me think of this movie because I am guilty. I am one who actually went there and stared, and hundreds of other people we used in the to neighborhood. Do it all the time. And it really is one of those endless curiosities of mine too, of who actually lives here. And my, uh, you know, grounded thought is they're normal people that are like, "This is hilarious," and we're just going to let this run. Uh, and and I've heard from people that uh, people would even tell me, oh, they don't even go out the grocery shop. They yeah, and I've heard that off. too. Exactly. Uh, so there is just mystery surrounding this house, and it always makes me think of this movie. And if you've lived in that area, I'm sure you have that local lore, uh, if you will. And it always makes me think of the Burbs. I just wanted to bring that. I up. also look at the Amityville Horror as a darker version of of uh, the Burbs. Like to me, it's like you know those movies come out, and it's. It's like the it's like if Amityville Horror was a um, a comedy with the neighbors peeping. This is this is what you would get. This is the burbs. Very very much, uh, and uh, I I recommend if you haven't seen this, go check it out. Uh, and again, very timely if you're listening to this. Even if it, uh, I think we should be able to get this out before Halloween, which would yeah, be great. I don't, I don't foresee week. it. Being... So this is perfect timing. Uh, throw it on if you want to watch this for free. Uh, you can rent it on Vudu for two ninety nine. I checked. It is on Peacock. Cock. Uh, it, even if you don't have the uh, the one you pay for, it's on for streaming with ads. That's how I watched it today. Uh, so it's just got commercials, but you can go on and watch it right on Peacock, no charge. Download the app. You can sign up for free, uh, and you can enjoy the burps. Yeah, it's uh, again, this is a it, it's special place in my heart. This movie, again, I don't know if it's from my upbringing and and just my surroundings that I I find it so close to home, but it's just a classic. Tom Hanks is one of my favorites. Um, I guess before I, I we go, I know there was uh, I wrote so much stuff down, but the score I wanted to say was so good. Please, the guy who did it is Jerry Goldsmith, and he also did the scores for the Poltergeist, the Rambo's, 
Indiana Jones, and he also did the Gremlins. There's a lot of um, uh, the same people from Gremlins because it's the same director, same right. Uh, you know, it's it's the Gremlins in this have a lot of, and it's good to know because we we just touched on that similarity. So confirmed, he also did the Gremlins, and you can really feel that. And I think it's a driving force in the movie. Um, I, I really do think the score makes this movie better. Uh, and also, too, folks, I'll be clear. This isn't a movie that you're going to be dying laughing as you watch. No, it's not. I just find it very enjoyable. Uh, the characters are all super likable. Uh, and what I love is you could do see that there there's a likeness to them. And particularly to uh, Ricky Butler, who's more of that audience member, played by Corey Feldman. Uh, one of the things I did like about it is you could see the older guys in the, in the cul-de-sac like him. Yes. And I think that's what really also makes the movie. They only have a few times where they're like closely interacting. And great scenes. They're all great scenes when when he when you can actually see them talking to him. Uh, so there is a great dynamic between and, this cast. And two other of my my little fun facts that I found the last ones that I had at least where Corey Feldman was always close friends with Michael Jackson. So a funny thing about this movie is Michael Jackson's uh, pet chimp um, Bubbles was on the set a lot, and he got banned from the set for throwing feces all inside of a trailer and destroying one of the trailers. So Michael Jackson and Bubbles were on set during this movie. And yeah, Bubbles got banned from the set. And the thing we were talking about Tom Hanks is he was doing a lot of comedies and he was young at this time. He didn't want to do the role at first because he thought he was too young to play a father and he just didn't feel like the role was right for him. Thank God he changed his mind because he fucking nailed it. Uh, Anything else you have there? Because uh, I got a couple things before nope, we wrap that's, up. That's all I pretty much have. All right. So I got one more uh, fun thing I just want to talk about. And then uh, as as everyone knows, I would assume most, if not every single of the tens of millions of adult baby <laughs> listeners are going to listen to this adult baby's offshoot uh, of downtown Ian and Chick breaking down the burbs. Um, but what I will say is – where the hell was I going with this? I just completely you said you that. had two – you had some – Two things to cover. Yeah. Right? Oh, since this is Chick's favorite movie, as all of you know, thank you. Completely yes. drawn a blank there. Everyone knows this is Chick's favorite movie if you listen to the adult babies. I'm going to quiz him just in a moment. Oh, yes. Uh, to see, uh, I got some, I think, tough questions for him, uh, but maybe not so tough because he's actually answered some of the questions I've had as we've gone through this pod, which was impressive. Uh, but we're going to do a quick quiz. But before we get there, I want to go wrap this up and bookend it with Art, uh, who once again is our favorite person in this movie. I just think he could have been in so many other movies just with how like funny he is and like you could pick him in spots. So I've got a couple I wrote down that I think would be hilarious. So oh, if you're an art fan you. and you know who this is, like you I think you will find this funny. Uh, so my first one was I'd love to see him as a player in Squid Games. I think <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that would be great. It would almost hey, be too funny. Some, you gonna finish that potato over there? <laughs> Listen. I think that other guy over there, we should team up against big time. <laughs> yes, yeah. he's trouble. So throw Art right in Squid Games for me. Uh, that's number oh, one. That's great. Uh, I also think he would have been an absolute shoe in as a bowler in the Big Lebowski or, or Kingpin, dude. He Funny be thing, in that movie. he was wearing a bowler's outfit to start the movie. He that is, blue thing he's wearing is a bowler's shirt with the checkered pants. You could tell he's a natural bowler. He's definitely yes. in the alley. Um, so he would have been right up there. Oh, uh, that is so good. Uh, with the dude. Uh, and probably would have been close buddies with him. With candy. Uh, exactly. Not candy. Uh, uh, the, what's his name? John Goodman. John Goodman. Candy. Right. And then the third one that I think is probably my favorite is I would love to see him. And coincidentally, he's in Spaceballs. Uh, but I think he would be a fantastic, in the real movies, Death Star maintenance worker. 
uh, just someone who works at the Death Star, <laughs> doesn't really have an important job, uh, and just really is like the broomstick guy who cleans up and just like talks shit about how he hates his job. Yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, let me give you a word of advice, pal. Uh, update your resume. This place isn't really known for its upward mobility. Okay? <laughs> so those are... Those are some places I'd love to see art. Um, Rick Ducommon also unfortunately passed away, so rest in peace. Two thousand. Yes, we want to dedicate this to Rick. Diabetes Rick. complications. I love this man. I wish he was in more stuff. I do. This guy too. cracks me. I, I'm surprised he didn't. I don't. I mean, again, you never know the reasons why. If it was a personal choice or whatever, but I feel like he. There's a lot of things he could have been in, or more things he could have done after this movie that I'm surprised he didn't. And the more I think about him in Squid Games, the more happy I get. <laughs> I completely be a very big offshoot to the whole tone one. of that movie. I was just, just going to say, right. I don't see that one, but I love it. It cracks me up. All right, so. I'm nervous about this quiz because I feel like I know this movie better than anything, honestly, and I could should be able to ace it. But whenever you get put on the spot for something like this, we're going we're gonna to do this quiz. I have about 11 questions here. Some of these you already answered, so we'll go through quick. We'll go, yeah. And some of these are a little too much, uh, so audience go easy on them because some of these are a little insane. Uh, but I had to make this difficult because he knows this movie, so I couldn't make <laughs> yeah. it easy. I can't be like, what happens here? And what guy says this? <laughs> Which one of the guys in the movie says this thing? He's going to know all of that stuff. <laughs> so I had to get very specific here. Uh, the first one you got right, I'm going to repeat it. Uh, how long how, were the cloak? Cloak pets there at the beginning. Yeah, it was a month. It was one month. So they were there for one month um, that that's mentioned. Uh, so I think it's a perfect time period, too. Not too long, not too small, you know, short. Uh, this one is, I think, is going to be a tough one for you because uh, it's it's seldom uh, teased. What is the Peterson's dog's name in the movie? The Peterson's dog. I know. It's, it's the little brown dog. Uh, fuck. Spot. No, it is Vince. Vince. It has. It says it on there. It says it on it the dog. Says it on the doghouse. That's the only oh, way. Well, you know. Around the top. That's correct. Fuck. You knew it. Uh, all right. So this one is. They is, don't mention the name at all. They don't. They don't say it it's, once. It's it on the only on the doghouse. It's on the door, and it's the in the white sign with black writing. Oh, I know it. Very Fuck good. Me. Hey, you knew where it was, though. I think that's good. All right. Uh, so I didn't have a pen to keep tally here. It's so all right. I got it. I'm one. Got it up here. Okay. Uh. So this is this is a little bit of a tricky one. I didn't write this all the way down. We got through it. So in the beginning of the movie, uh, Carol Peterson is trying to convince Ray Peterson to go up to the lake. And Ray Peterson says something along the lines of, oh, what am I going to do? Sit out on the lake lodge and watch uh, the guy from across the way uh, with the giant head yeah. uh, slide down the stairs and fall all the time. Oh, what does he have? What does he have? <sighs> what the fuck is it called? That's not funny. He's got. <laughs> he says what he <laughs> Hypo district, hypo something out of me. It's I'm gonna give it to you because it's hydrophysal. Hydro, yeah, and was, I don't know what that is. I don't know what it is. Words. It was hydrocephalus. I thought she said that's it. Hydrophysalis. Uh, hydrophysalis. That's yeah. not that's not funny. He's got hydrocephalus. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's very impressive that you got that. Uh, that's very good. So you're a one for th- uh, two for three. I, I'm one and a half for three. Yeah, one and a half for three. Okay, uh, I like this one. What is the Clopex address? Oh. Oh, it's 69 and it turns, or is it 60, 69 and when they knock on the door, it turns to 66. What the fuck is the street? That's going to kill me. You're also wrong with the number. You're almost there. It was 69. I went to 66, I thought. Or 169. I went to 160. 
No, it's yeah, the six turned around when they when he knocks on the door. And it was six was it oh, was it the first? Was it I'm I'm wrong. What is you it? You don't know it? Yeah. So you're close. So it was that it is six six nine. Six six it flips nine. To six, six, six six six. Yes. It's six six nine Mayfield Place. Mayfield Place. Yeah. And Mayfield, so the, and the reason this is tricky, folks, is they don't show that it's ad- in the intro, right in the thing they show. Right the in the intro is where you show the street that says Mayfield Place. Can I tell you I almost and wrote then that they, down. Did you? Yeah, as like one of my notes, like they live on Mayfield. Like I and I'm pissed that I didn't. So that's when you see the street name is right in the opening credits. They see Mayfield Place, the street sign, and then later you see the address because they knock on the Klopex door <laughs> and it's six six nine, and the nine flips down and falls onto it. And I should have realized six six six, and I just did six six. And that's six, why nine. I was trying to. You were like six nine. I was like, think about why. Yeah, I, <laughs> fuck me. I was thinking about the last two. All right. All right, so uh, I want dog friendly here, so I got another one. Oh, uh, wait, no, no, this isn't another dog one. So here's here's another one that's uh, kind of like storytelling. So Art tells Ray and Ricky they're they're on the porch to have a little powwow with beers. Art's telling Ray and Ricky a, a story about a man who killed his whole family. Skip. What is the the guy's name? The his the killer Skip. is Skip. The killer kills his whole Skip. family with an ice pick. Very, very good. That is correct. Um, Skip is also, he's playing Skip in, in Ray's Bad Dream when he's got the ice cream. Yes, he is. When he's wearing the outfit and he puts down his glasses. It's me. <laughs> so Ray, uh, Ray's having a nightmare in the movie. And then uh, Art is actually, pl- like, in his dream is the murderer, Skip. Of the story he told Of the story he told him later. And it's fucking hilarious. It's it like is. in this whole demonic, like, procession and he's like hey Art, hey it's me it's in me. The, like in the dream like he's breaking the fourth wall like he's his fucking <laughs> yeah, neighbor it's, it's so hysterical. good uh but really well done there uh so what do we got we got five somebody two out of five yeah well two and a half out of five two and a half out of five uh what is the cereal brand's name ray and his wife carol are eating while they're playing jeopardy oh And this is very prominent in the shot. No, I know. It's very. It's I know what it is. I, 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 I'm seeing them eat it. This is what was bothering me. It's because he's a little like nuanced. I had to go tough. They're very nuanced. I'm pretty sure it was round and it was crunchy. Most cereals round. No, and crunchy. I know. You get like, <laughs> Life. It's not one you're gonna know. It's a real cereal. Yeah. But uh, think about uh, it very in tone with the movie. It's called Freakies. Is the name of the cereal. It's like a spooky Halloween cereal. I looked it up. It is real. Uh, so I'll give you the description. They probably did it at the time. The it was probably something there. It's gonna bother me. It is in the. 80s. I can't picture the color of the box, though. I'm not gonna lie. And I do like it, so I'll show you here. That is the box of cereal. Uh, so the, the description is crunchy, honey tasting spaceships. With marshmallow freakies, uh, so little monsters. The but- only reason why I said something crunk because I remember Carol chewing again. It was it was like a prominent noise. Like it's I don't know if crunchy. it was supposed to do it. It's kind of like when when Art throws the gum down when they're walking up to the Klopex house and you hear it hit the ground. To me, they go out of their way to make the sound louder. I yep. don't know. And and uh, go- Google freakies. Is the box is really interesting. I mean, it doesn't look great. It was but probably really big in the eighties. Yeah, definitely. It is an eighties cereal all the way. It's a very good quiz. Because yeah. this is stuff I should, I could know, this and and I could see all like even the ones I'm getting wrong. I know, like, all right, I'm I'm happy you did this. Uh, here's my other one. How many dogs are in the movie? There's Queenie. There's the dog at the Clopex, and three. 
There's three. You are yeah. correct. Uh, I'll give you a bonus point. What's the Clopex dog's name? I have no idea. I it's, don't remember. He says it once, and I had to rewind it. Because he says it when he's running it, when he jumps out. He says it so quick, you can barely hear it. I didn't even look it up. It is Landru, L-A-N-D-R-U. I would have never got And that. looked up a little trivia. I couldn't even hear it. Let's uh, watch all. I was like, this is bonus. You can't die. Because as soon as the dog jumps so, out, he screams it. for it to come back. And people are assumption that they named it after a um, French serial killer with the same last name. So that I is wonder if it was the killer of that hitchhiker guy from the right. I don't know. Maybe. So Landrew was the last name. Uh, so maybe you want to look that up for a little additional trivia. All right. So where are we at? What, how many do we got here? That was the – I was two and a half out of five. So I think that was the sixth. That was seven. Six or seven. Okay. That was seven. Uh, and you got that last one right. Um, so three and a half out of seven. Seven. Next one is what is Ricky's girlfriend's name? Ashley. It is Gail. Thought it was, I would have I would have honestly put money that it was Ashley. It is Gail. I think he says it once. So also a very tough one. All right. These are tough ones. So I, you're I, actually I, doing honestly, really I was almost confident in that because I don't know why. Are, is there an Ashley in that movie? I don't know. I, I have, so. to, re- I have so to. Three and a half out of eight, right? Yeah. Uh, this one you already have. Uh, so you feel good about <laughs> this. Uh, and we're going to read it, though. What is Art doing inside the house when he says to Ray, you mean a dead guy's house? Oh, he's stealing the. Uh, he's stealing a knickknack. The thing, a knickknack. It's like a knickknack. It looks like a snow orb, but you yeah. can't really see it. But he's you stealing from his neighbor as his neighbor's he's house. driving home that this man has been massively <laughs> murdered, uh, and very, very uh, subtly as well. Like he flips it he's up in the air, just drops it, it right in, in his pocket. If uh, if if Ray played by Tom Hanks, actually opted to say nothing, you may not even notice it. You would have yeah, to really pay close attention. Actually, like, that's that's a very, so true. It's very subtle, uh, which makes it even funnier. Uh, so you're four and a half out of, out eight, of nine. Out of nine. I'm halfway right. I'm 50%. When Ray and Carol are going to bed, after the Klopek research, okay. uh, when they're in the basement, what movie is Ray watching? He's watching, uh, is it The Exorcist? No, it's not The Exorcist. It's Texas Chainsaw Mass. No, it's... Yeah, it's Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Which one? Oh, it's not the first. Two? Nailed it. All Texas right. Chainsaw I Massacre knew it wasn't the first. Part two. Very well done. Yes. Very well done. And then when he's dreaming, the chainsaw, and the chainsaw comes, comes through. That's <laughs> yeah. kind of what really drove that home to me because yeah. that's what sparks his, his nightmare. Excellent. So where are we at? Because I got one more question. Five and a half out of ten. Five and a half out of ten. You got one more here. Uh, so this is the last one. What book is Ray reading in his basement when they begin the investigation of the Klopex? Is it Satanic Rituals and Conspiracies? It's Satanic, something Satanic Rituals. <laughs> very, very close. It is the theory and practice of demonology. Demonology, yeah. Is what he's reading. Because I remember she was, he was, that's when he's talking to her about. She's reading through the shit that him and Art locked themselves in the basement talking about. Ray, Once they get inside, pal, it's Ray, over. You're chanting. You're chanting. I want to kill everyone. <laughs> Satan is good. Satan, Satan is, is our, our pal. pal. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's a way to end it, I think. That is a way to end uh, it. Because that's also one of our favorite quotes that Chick and I relentlessly either text to each other, voice text for the most part. Uh, so we hope you enjoyed this. I think our thought here is... We're going to try to do some off-shows here of particular yeah, things. Yeah, we're so going we to probably movie pick shows. some random uh, albums. Pop entertainment. <laughs> maybe even some records that just really flew under the radar for their time uh, that we could pick apart. One I'll tease to you, Chick, uh, on air that I think uh, I, I would think would be very interesting to do is uh, one of my favorite uh, Kung Fu Action Hybrids of all time, oh. The Raid. 
Uh, I yes. don't know how this isn't on the greatest martial arts movies of all time. It is is an absolute epic, and I would love to talk about that a little further. Because I it am is one thousand percent down on that. Because every time I ask somebody if they ever seen the raid, they don't know what it is, and that's Iwu I uh, Iku Oase. Uh, and we'll talk about the director, who's actually much more popular at this time. But I think that might be part two for us. Who knows? Yeah, but we're gonna de- we're definitely gonna do more of these types of reviews and offshoot uh, episodes of the adult babies, and we bring Ian on, and it's an excuse for me to come out and see him because I don't see him as much as I'd like to. I love you, buddy. I, I miss you. Uh, I miss the adult babies audience. We're doing our handshake here yeah. for those of you who can't see us, which is everyone. So if you made it this far, watch The Burbs. It is a 1989 comedy classic. Like Ian said, you will not laugh your ass off, but you will enjoy an hour and 45 minute good movie with some, you know, comical points to it. I mean, it's 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 just a good movie. It's a it's a whole hard good movie. Watch it, enjoy it. Thanks for listening. Peace.